1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this particular verse seems to be just the culmination of verses 16 and 17 before it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. This idea of rejoicing and gladness is bound up within, in everything, give thanks. In other translations, it's similar. The Revised Standard Version, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, says the NIV also. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, the New Living Translation. The ESV, give thanks in all circumstances. Or the King James, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'd like to proceed this morning by discussing the meaning of thanks and thankfulness and proceeding to the object, to whom are we thankful? Then the measure, for what are we to be thankful The motive, by what? What are we induced or stimulated by to give thanks? The mode or the method, in what way are we to show thankfulness? And the result, what is the outcome? My contention is what the Apostle Paul has in mind here is not so much a token of gratitude, but a way of living, a disposition of being, a character habit. The attitude of one's heart. Let's begin at the beginning. Thanks. Thanks is an expression of gratitude, an acknowledgement made to express a sense of favor or kindness received, a feeling or sentiment that's excited by kindness. Thanks be to the Lord who giveth us victory. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians It's to be grateful. It's to be impressed with a sense of kindness received and then ready to acknowledge it. Thanksgiving is the act of rendering thanks or expressing gratitude for favors or mercies bestowed. comes from a Greek word, the root of which is charis, which just means grace. So putting this all Together to give thanks is to acknowledge a certain grace that has been bestowed upon you and then expressing your gratitude as an appropriate response. And everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, the object of our thanks is primarily the triune God, specifically the Father, but the Son and the Holy Spirit as well. And secondarily, it's also to others. It's okay to give thanks to one another, just in case you're not sure. Even though we pay tribute to God first and foremost, it's not a form of idolatry to thank one another. The proof is found at the end of Romans chapter 16, where Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles. It's okay to give thanks to one another, even though we say it to God primarily. 
But God is the primary object. In the Old Testament, there are numerous examples. 2 Samuel 22, David says, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the nations. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the Lord Most High. Psalm 7. Psalm 109, with my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and in the midst of the congregation I will praise Him. Jonah 2.9, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. In the New Testament, the Father is specifically the object of thanks. During the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus took the seven loaves and fish, and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to his disciples. In John 11, 41, Jesus raises his eyes to heaven, and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Colossians 3, 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. God the Father is specifically the object of thanks in the New Testament. Now, it's it's perfectly acceptable to thank any member of the blessed Godhead. In 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul writes, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who strengthened me. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. To give thanks to God truly comes as a gracious gift by the Holy Spirit. And if to give thanks to God derives from sanctification and sanctification comes from the Holy Spirit, then your thanks comes from the Holy Spirit And it's okay to thank Him in return. So it's perfectly acceptable to thank any person of the Blessed Trinity. But generally speaking, the New Testament pattern is to give thanks to God the Father as He is the object through the person of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit who is the source of our thanksgiving when we thank God. The conclusion of this matter is that it matters very little to whom, which member of the Trinity you're giving thanks. What matters is that we are giving thanks and that we have a thankful heart. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's the meaning of thanks, and that's also the object of thanks. Now we proceed to the measure of thanks. For what are we to be thankful? In short, every good thing, past, present, and future, but not everything. Let me deal with the objection right at the beginning. Ephesians 5.20, which could be a sister text to this one here in Thessalonians, says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father. And here's the argument then. The Bible says, give thanks for all things. Situations involving evil are things. Kids get leukemia. People die of cancer. 
A husband leaves his wife. Your boss may hate you. Somebody you know commits suicide. These are things. Therefore, I'm supposed to give thanks to God for these things also. The response to this is no, for two reasons. Number one, it's inappropriate to thank God for things that he's not responsible for. Number two, it's inappropriate to thank God for things he himself hates. Let's quickly begin with the first one. It's inappropriate to God to render thanks for him for things he's not responsible for. It's absurd to acknowledge a grace bestowed by someone if they have not indeed bestowed that grace. Would you thank me for giving you a million dollars? Of course not. There are things that God has no part in. For instance, James 1.13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil and does not tempt anyone. Temptation's a thing, but it doesn't come from God. Therefore, you're not to render thanks for that. Reason two, it's inappropriate to thank God for things he himself hates. There are things that God hates. Deuteronomy 12.31, you shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God. For every abominable act which the Lord hates, the nations have done for their gods. They even burn their sons and daughters with fire. That's an abomination to the Lord. Isaiah 61.8, For I, the Lord, love justice, I hate robbery. I, the Lord, hate divorce. Malachi 2.16, doesn't hate the divorcee. We all make mistakes. God loves the sinner, but there are sins which he hates. Therefore, it is absurd to thank God for these things. The conclusion, now that we've got that objection out of the way, what are the things for which we are thankful? Keeping with the text here in Thessalonians, I quickly numbered 10. I'm sure there are more, but there are at least 10. If you turn to chapter 1, let me list them, then we'll go over them. We're beloved by God. He chose us. We've turned to God from idols, that we can serve the living and true God, Jesus' second coming, salvation in Christ, the fact that we're being fitted for heaven, that God is working through the world and through us in His Word. We can be, we can be thankful for the Lord's discipline, and we can be thankful and enjoy life right now. Are you enjoying life right now? 1 Thessalonians 1, beginning in verse 2, says this, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. We'll begin with being beloved by God. For God so loved the world, He loves you. And who will separate us from this love of Christ? As Paul said, He's convinced neither death, death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, or death, or any other created thing. That about sums up everything. We'll be able to separate us from God. In Christ's love, nothing. 
Romans 8.1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can be thankful for that. Be thankful that He chose us, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. Ephesians 4 says that God chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. Before God even laid the foundation, before He created the world, He was planning to conform us to the likeness of Christ. That work will proceed, whether with us or without it, if we're saved. Whether we like it or not, He will conform us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, now verse 9. We can also be thankful that we turn from idols like the Thessalonians, for they themselves report of us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. The Jewish philosopher Martin Buber says that idols are idols, whether metal or mental. Idols are idols, whether they're metal or mental. God saves us, even from whatever we worship in our minds. And if we're not worshiping Him now in our minds, let's turn from whatever it is we are worshiping. And the reason is because that anything less than ultimate will not ultimately satisfy. If you're not worshiping Him, the one true God, you're doing something less. And we wonder why there's a hole a vacancy in our hearts. It's what the Scripture considers being filled with the Spirit. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. John says, children, keep yourselves from idols. In 1 John, that's the last thing he mentions. We can be thankful that we serve the living and true God. Not only do we turn from idols, but we serve the true God. It's a curious thing for me. How many of us think that we do favors for God by serving Him? God said, for the whole earth is mine, Exodus 19.5. says, the cattle on the thousand hills, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, saith the Lord, for the earth is mine and the fullness therein. All souls of men are mine, saith the Lord, Ezekiel 18.4. Mordecai tells Esther, if you don't act, deliverance will come from elsewhere. We don't serve God as if we do Him favors. God does not need our service. So why do we serve Him? It's Christ the Lord whom you serve. Look back to Colossians 3, verses 23 and 25. Just one letter back. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, which he has done, and that without partiality. There's a reward that we receive. Be thankful that we serve God. We get a reward for it. Somebody might object. Isn't that selfish? 
Shouldn't you serve God out of love in a pure heart and not to gain things? Isn't that a selfish Christianity? No, for at least two reasons. First and foremost, that's a false dichotomy. In other words, service doesn't have to be from love or for a desire from reward. It can, it can be both and. It doesn't have to be either or. Selfishness is not self-interest. They're different. Second, does anybody remember what the 24 elders did in Revelation? What do they do? They lay down their crowns. Laying down what you've done, exhibiting it, displaying it for people to see, brings glory to God, not you. We don't look at Billy Graham and say, wow, look what he's done for the Lord. We say, wow, look what the Lord has done through that man. Billy Graham would testify he's nothing without the Lord Christ. So how do we serve? Look at Acts 17. Let's get a hint. When Paul is speaking on Mars Hill, starting at verse 24, Paul says, The God who made the world and all the things in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. You don't serve God as if He needed anything. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't gain anything from all your time and hours. From feeding the poor. From donating to this or that. Remember, if you don't act, deliverance will come from elsewhere. He doesn't need us. We need Him. He is the vine. We are the branches. Why do we serve Him? Because we need to. It's good for us. It builds us up. It causes us to overflow with thanksgiving. So we can be thankful to God because we're beloved by God, because He chose us, because we've turned from idols, and we can serve the living and the true God. Back to Thessalonians we can also thank God for Jesus' second coming, the parousia, the coming of Christ. It says, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus. The Son is coming back to render each of us according to our deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. It's good that He's coming back. When He appears, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. Now we see in a mirror dimly. Then we will see face to face. We can be thankful that He is coming and will come again. We can be thankful furthermore that God raised Him from the dead and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. Be thankful for the Gospel. How often do we thank God for the gospel of Christ? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then He was buried. And He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. 
Romans 4.25, Paul says, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions, he was raised to life for our justification. Our justification. One commentator says that his resurrection was the proof or demonstration or vindication of God's acceptance of Jesus Christ. That's why he was raised. Showed that God accepted his sacrifice. So he raised him up from the dead. Thus, because Jesus lives, God can credit his provided righteousness to the account of every person who responds by faith to that offer. Have you responded to Christ? Have you accepted it? Do you accept it today? Do you live in Christ's righteousness by which He sanctifies you continually? He's imputed it to your account. Eventually, He will impart it to you as He makes, it, as he makes you righteous. Hymn writer Augustus Toplady, or Toplady said, The fountain of never-ceasing grace, thy saints' exhaustless theme, Great object of immortal praise, essentially supreme. We bless Thee for the glorious fruits Thine incarnation give, the righteousness which grace imputes and faith alone receives. Look at verse 10 again. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. There is a wrath to come. Zephaniah says that the day of the Lord is near. Near and coming quickly. Paul describes this in Romans 2, where he said there will be a day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to their deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek glory and honor and immortality to them, Eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does not believe and who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. There is a wrath to come. Paul says in this very letter that we're not destined for wrath. It's not what we're destined for. So we can be thankful for that. We can be thankful that God calls us to His own kingdom and glory. Look in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Look at verse 12 here. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his kingdom. Are you seeking the kingdom? Remember, Jesus said, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. What are you seeking? There are many things to seek, and it's okay to seek other things, but not first. First seek the kingdom. Are you seeking the kingdom first and his righteousness? Then all other things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom first. Be thankful that the Word of God does its work in you. In you who believe. Philippians 2.13 For it's God who works in you both to work and to will His good pleasure. God works in us 
The Word of God is living and active. Remember that. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell in you. The Word of Christ. Are you in the Word of Christ? Do you know the Word of Christ? Are you feeding on the Word of Christ? Remember, Jesus said, My words are spirit. You're feeding on the Word of Christ so that He's transforming your spirit, so that you're thankful to God and you overflow in thankfulness by a new disposition of the heart, by a new attitude that praises Him. Be thankful for discipline. This one's hard. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. We're all to conduct our vessels to learn how to handle ourselves, control ourselves. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. And the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He scourges every son and daughter with whom He is pleased. Be thankful. Thank the Lord for discipline. Do not confuse discipline with suffering. You say, how do I know the difference? You should know the difference. You should know whether you're reaping the natural consequences of sin or whether you're being divinely disciplined. And don't confuse it with punishment. Remember, our suffering is not punishment for sin because Christ bore the punishment in our place. The demands of justice have been met. There's no more need for any of your sins, even future ones, to be punished. The demands of justice have been met. And our suffering is not random because God is sovereign over it and through it, God is conforming us in the image of His Son. Finally, we can be thankful for now. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But don't forget the two verses before that. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. It's an overflowing of the heart. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice and be glad. Solomon tells us that a dead dog or a live dog is better off than a dead lion. In other words, there's still hope. We're breathing right now. There's still hope. Be thankful for now. Our thankfulness sanctifies the good creation. I remember living in North Carolina where I would ask this gentleman how he's doing. And he would characteristically respond, better than I deserve. Well, I know that. We all know that. Of course it's better than we deserve. But do we stay there? Do we mope? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's true. But Christians should be the most joyous people, not the most miserable. Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the Word of God in prayer. Or you can say it's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Receive it with thanksgiving. Enjoy now. Tomorrow may not come. I drove here. Those roads are not good. We are not promised anything. In the last breath I took, I borrowed from the Lord. 
John Piper is closed when he utters his Christian hedonism and he says that God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied in Him. The problem with that, of course, is that we don't get to choose how God is glorified in us. That's His choice, not ours. So you can't make that decision. So the Westminster Shorter Catechism, in my opinion, does better, where it says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the end, that is the goal for which every action that you make should tend toward to enjoy God forever. Happiness is a factor, and those who say it's not make better theologians than philosophers. Conclusion, we can be thankful because we're loved by God, that He has chose us, that we've turned to God from idols to the living and true God that we serve. Jesus' second coming is to be thanked for. Salvation in Christ. We're being fitted for heaven. God is working in us through the world, but particularly through His Word. The Lord's discipline is a reason to be thankful. And we can enjoy life right now. So in view of everything, of what's been said so far, if the measure has not motivated you to thank God, then what is the motive? We'll handle these last sections briefly. There's just two. By what are we stimulated to give thanks if nothing that's been mentioned so far moves you? If it's simply a tired Sunday. Number one, God is worthy. Revelation 4, the the four living creatures say, You are worthy, O God. We give thanks to You. Even in heaven, God is being thanked. If there's no other reason that motivates you, remember that God is worthy to be thanked. Second reason is that it's reasonable or acceptable. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies in living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or rational, acceptable service of worship. You say, what does God expect of us? Everything. Everything. That's what's reasonable. Christ died for you and for me. We owe Him our lives. Nothing less. Even if you gave everything and you were a martyr for Christ, at best you'd be even. At best. You owe God everything, every minute of the day. What's the mode or method of thanksgiving? How do we thank God? Simply by speaking and or acting. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus, and I suspect that this verse is primarily related to the two before it, where it's talking about just rendering thanks. Remember that the Lord Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart speaketh the mouth. What's in your heart? You can tell by what comes out of your mouth. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks 
We can give thanks by acting it out. In everything, show yourself approved. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of God. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Be prepared, always, in season and out of season, with the word of God. Finally, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of God. Conduct ourselves. Live right. Live in such a way as to demonstrate thankfulness. Let it bleed from you. Overflow with it. Here are the results very quickly. And as I wrap up, 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 and 13 say this, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that He may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. God is fitting us for the kingdom. He's establishing us. He's trying to make, make us blameless. There should not be a, a fear of God, but a reverence, a, re, a revering of Him. Perfect love drives out fear, John says. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. The result of thanking God is abounding in love. And finally, chapter 5, verse 23 now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you want to be found when Christ appears? Not shamed. Not shamed. But with thankfulness. And if we thank him, it will sanctify us. And we will be preserved and made complete ready and eager for His return. Thus, we've seen the meaning of thanks and thankfulness. We've seen the object. We've discussed the measure, the motive, the method, and the result. In short, we give thanks to God in every circumstance and for every good thing. Let us go out and do so. How good it is to thank the Lord and praise to Thee, most high accord, to show Thy love with morning light and tell Thy faithfulness each night. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You. We thank You that Your love has been poured out on us through Christ, most apparently by His death on the cross as a propitiation for our sins, that we might be sanctified to You, holy and blameless in the day of His coming. For His, His day will come like a thief in the night. Help us be prepared for that. Thank You for all Your good and precious promises. Thank You for Your mercy and Your loving kindness. Please be with us as we go out from here today. 
In Jesus' name, amen.